The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. would invite everyone to join in in this responsive reading from Psalm 70. O God, hasten to deliver me. O Lord, hasten to my help. Let those be ashamed and humiliated who seek my life. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be turned back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love you and love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. But I am afflicted and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Koinonia, are you ready for the gospel? Hey, hey. Gospel is indeed the power of God unto salvation for all those who will believe. And what a blessing, what a privilege, what a joy it is to be able to share in the gospel one more time. I want to begin um, just by reminding us over the past few weeks, we have been looking at selected psalms from the theme, the general theme, putting the psalms, there it is, putting the psalms to work. Amen. Putting the psalms to work. And, uh, and so we're going to begin by talking a little bit about the work of Psalm 70. We're going to, then we're going to talk about the witness of Psalm 70. I want to begin by just reading, not, not, not just the passage, but I want to read the superscript. This is important. When you, when you read Scripture, particularly the Psalms, pay attention to the superscripts. It says, to the choir master of David for the memorial offering within the life of ancient Israel, this text that we have before us today was actually lifted from another passage, Psalm 40, verses 12 through 17. If we were to look at Psalm 40, verses 12 through 17, it is, a, is, it is exactly these words, almost word for word, with a few adjustments. And it's lifted, Psalm 70 was lifted from Psalm 40, from its original liturgical setting, and it was used in the life of ancient Israel for a very specific kind of work. And the kind of work that it, that it functioned, that it, that it carried out for, for the ancient church, was to reveal to God's people that God remembers. Everybody say, God remembers. God remembers. God remembers. Psalm 40 says this. It says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David but it does not contain this last part for the memorial offering or to bring to remembrance. This passage, Psalm 70, was added to the liturgical life of ancient Israel during the memorial offering, which was an offering meant to remind the worshiper that God remembers them. Under the Old Testament sacrificial system, according to Leviticus 2, verse 2, the Lord's people would make an offering of fine flour, of frankincense, of oil, and of salt, which would be burned as a memorial offering. Psalm 70, 
and the memorial offering carried out the work and the function of reminding God's people by visible sign that God remembered them. Have you ever been, have you ever been sitting somewhere quiet, maybe in a doctor's office, maybe in a classroom, maybe, maybe on the bus, maybe, maybe in the elevator, and then all of a sudden you heard the sound, dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. I have the tiger. That's right, y'all know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, I have the tiger stars playing on somebody's iPhone, somebody's smartphone. Somebody's face pops up on their phone. They, somebody starts scrambling. You know, we all know who it was. Somebody starts scrambling. If somebody's face pops up on their phone because what did they do? They left their notifications on. Notifications. Our apps are functions on iPhones or devices that remind us that we have something important to attend to, that we have had a, that we got a commitment, that we, that we have a, a someone or something that we have made a commitment to, and, and that someone or something has got permission to interrupt our day. No matter where we are, no matter what we are doing, no matter whether it's convenient or inconvenient, done. Dun, 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 dun. And that lets us know that this somebody is up on our calendar. Well, the memorial offering was like an ancient notification. It was a a way uh, when, when the aromatic smoke of that offering lifted up to heaven, it was a visible sign and a reminder to God's people that they had permission to interrupt God's day, that they had permission to come up on God's calendar that they had permission to notify God that they needed help. It was a visible sign and reminder that they were especially on the forefront of God's mind and heart. In the Bible, the word to remember, same word is used at here in Psalm 70 for the memorial offering or to bring to remembrance. This word, zakar, is not just a mental exercise, because it not only means to bring someone to mind, it means to bring someone to mind specifically for the purpose of acting on their behalf. You see, in the Bible, the Bible doesn't deal with abstractions. Okay? To bring someone to remembrance, when it says to cause to remember, it, it, it means to cause to remember for the purpose of action. And so when the, when the people of God made the memorial offering, what they were notified of, what they were reminded of, what they, what they were reassured of is that God remembers them and that God was at work for them. We live in a world where some people's interests, circumstances, sufferings, needs can easily be overlooked or forgotten. The reason why there are disparities today, the reason why there are injustices today, the reason why some people are in lack today is because some people in society are forgotten. Some people's interests are not considered important enough to to, to have a caucus uh, up, up on Capitol Hill. And, 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 and the memorial offering, though, reminds us that God is not like that that we have Christ as our perfect memorial offering, standing at the right hand of the Father, a living, breathing, perfectly righteous notification, 
an ever notification reminding God that we need his help, that we need his attention, that we need his grace, that we need his righteousness, that we need his forgiveness, that we need his patience, that we need his forbearance, that we need all these things from the Father. And he is always, because of that, that, that ever-present memorial offering before him, he is always attentive and he's always at work on our behalf. And ain't that good news, y'all? To know that God always remembers you and that God is always at work on your behalf. There's never a moment when God is not attentive and at work on behalf of his people. I love that song that says, even, we, we don't, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. The memorial offering in Psalm 70 reminds us that God never stops working for you. So we're going to lift up by God's grace four specific things. And we've talked about the work of Psalm 70. Now we're going to talk about the witness of Psalm 70. What are the specific things that Psalm 70 tells us God remembers? about us. Well, here's the here, here's the, I'm going to lift up four things by God's grace, and you can write this down. You can write this down. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Here's, here's the first point. The first point that we get out of Psalm 70 is that God remembers, and, and I'm not going to just say we, I'm going to say you. Let's make this real particular. God remembers that you need help urgently. God remembers that you need help Urgently, God is mindful of your timetable and your urgency. Verse 1, make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to deliver me. Verse 5, hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Today's text opens and closes with petitions of God that not only God would help, but that God would help in a hurry. It begins and ends with that. And when a text, and I'm just going to give you all a, some, I, it's, I think it's important that, that uh, on Sunday morning we learn something. Now, let's learn something together, y'all. When a text opens and closes with the same words, uh, it's a rhetorical device called an inclusio. Repeat after me, inclusio. Inclusio. Inclusio is a rhetorical device that, that, that says the same note that you started on is the same note that you end on. And when, a, and when a text begins on a certain note and ends on that same note, either the same theme or the same words, okay, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rhetorical device to add emphasis to say that this theme is important in this text. This is doubly important because we began on this theme and we went out on this theme. And what makes this so important is that it reveals that the urgency of our situation is not just something that we care about, but the urgency of our situation is something that God cares about. That's why, that's why the inclusio is, that's why there's so much gospel in the inclusio. Because what God is saying, because, because this, this psalm is in the liturgical life of God's people. God is putting these words in the mouths of his people. And God is starting with the words, hurry up. And ending with the words, hurry up. And what that lets us know is that our God, our Father, our Lord knows that we need him to hurry up sometimes. That's important. That's wonderful. Because, you know, sometimes our conception of God is that he is unmoved 
by the urgency of our situation. Come on now, I know I'm talking right. You think about your conception of God. Sometimes we believe God is just sitting up in heaven with his arms folded, just unmoved by the urgency of our situation. You know, we think about, hey, if you only knew what it was like down here, it's an urgent situation down here. We got a we got a five uh, we got we got a five alarm situation going on down here. Y'all ever seen that movie Zootopia? I love that movie Zootopia. Oh, come on, somebody, give it up for Zootopia! If you've never seen Zootopia, the pastor said you can watch it today. Okay, you can watch this. This is this is holy business. Okay, you go home and. You get on a subscription, whatever your subscription is to, and you watch Zootopia. You're going to be blessed by that. I highly recommend it. One of my favorite scenes in Zootopia is when Judy Hopps, the police officer bunny, and Nick Wilde, the small-time con artist who's a fox, they go to the Animal Department of Motor Vehicles, the DMV. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. And if y'all ever see anything about Zootopia, y'all know that they get in there to get some information about a license plate only to find that the whole department of the animal DMV is run by sloths <laughs> who move agonizingly slow and take no notice of the urgency of their situation. And sometimes, beloved, our conception of God's work in our lives is as if he is a sloth moving agonizingly slow and taking no notice of the urgency of our situation. But a memorial offering, the memorial offering, and the fact that it, it brings to our remembrance that the words of make haste beginning and end reminds us that, that, that God, that God, listen to this, is not moving like a sloth. That God does not call us to wait any longer than absolutely necessary for our good. That God is moving quick, fast, and in a hurry to bring salvation to his people. There's a gospel song that simply says, Lord, do it. Do it for me. Do it for me. And the way it is, it says, Lord, do it for me right now. And, and that's good news because, beloved, sometimes well, we got some right now needs. Sometimes, oh, amen. I don't know what your Christian life is like, but I know sometimes I, I, can't, I can't wait. I can't, Lord, I can't wait for you to do it next month. I can't wait for you to do it next week. I can't wait for you to do it in an hour. I need you to do it right now. And I'm so glad that we have a Savior that, that responds to right now needs with right now grace. I love it that the Bible says when Israel was backed up against the wall with wilderness to their right and the desert to their left and the Red Sea behind them and Pharaoh's chariots bearing down in front of them. They could not wait till next week. They could not wait till tomorrow. They had a right now need. And I'm so glad that God came through with a right now deliverance. When David found himself running from King Saul, sleeping in caves and escaping just around the bend, he, he could not wait for tomorrow. He, he could not wait for an hour from now. He had a right now need and God came through time and time again with a right now deliverance. When Daniel found himself falsely accused and locked up in a lion's den of an unjust system, he had a right now need. He couldn't wait for tomorrow. He couldn't wait for next week. He needed God to intervene right 
right now, but God is the kind of God that will come right now, right in time, and he came with right now grace for Daniel's right now need. Ain't that good news, y'all? Jesus told the story of the persistent widow who cried out day and night for justice for her right now situation. And even this, he said, this woman couldn't wait for tomorrow. She got up in the middle of the night and she began banging on this man's door because she had a right now need. And, and Jesus told a story. So even this unjust judge got up in the middle of the night and because of this woman's rockers, because of this woman's clamor, because she would not stop, even that unjust judge gave her justice. And then Jesus, our gracious and, 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 and wonderful Savior, said, now, now God is so much better than an unjust judge. He says, will not God Give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. And then, will he, then he asked the question, will he delay long over them? He said, I tell you, he will give them justice. And then he said this word, speedily. Oh, my goodness. Speedily, speedily. Now, Jesus didn't have to put it that way. He just could have said God is going to give him justice eventually. God will give him justice at due time. God will give him justice at the end of time. But Jesus did not say that. Jesus said God will give them justice speedily. And so those words hold for you today. If you have a right now need, I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm here to repeat the words of Jesus that our God, our King, will give you justice speedily. He will give you justice quick, fast. And in a hurry. Ain't that good news? So God, our Father, is attentive to the alarm level of our every situation. And he's willing and he delights to meet urgent needs urgently. And I know, I know what you're saying. I, I know you got some situations, but I've been crying out to the Lord day and night. I've been asking for some things to be made. But here's the thing. Even though you may not see the fruit of deliverance right away, that does not mean that the wheels of deliverance are not turning on your behalf. And I guarantee you, because all things are working together for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose, God has got some plans. God has got some things. God has got some justice at work on your behalf before you can even and ask, God has already got the answer coming. Come on, somebody. So God not only remembers, not only remembers that we need help urgently, God remembers that we need help seriously. Serious problems require serious solutions. Look at what verse 2 says. It says, let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. This is interesting. Now, this is the kind of stuff that we wonder whether it should even be in the Bible. Lord, can we even pray this prayer? Talking about, people, talking about humiliate people? Talking about putting people to shame? This is what's called an imprecatory prayer. Everybody say imprecatory. Imprecatory. Okay, now we're we walking, we walking in deep waters now, y'all. Imprecatory. Imprecatory is when you call down a curse on someone. Imprecatory psalms take injustice and the violence that supports injustice seriously. Oftentimes in our prayer, in our religious life, we don't take sin seriously enough. We don't take violence and injustice and suffering seriously enough. But God takes it seriously. And he knows that it requires serious interventions. Theologian Tish Warren 
writes this. She writes, impregatory psalms name evil. They remind us that those who have great power are able to destroy the lives of the weak with seeming impunity. And that we cannot simply hold hands, sing kumbaya, and hope for the best. Imprecatory psalms means serious sin call for serious interventions. We need serious interventions in ways that advance God's redemptive plan. And so imprecatory psalms are, are calls for God to intervene in ways that will turn back violent people. Now, here's the thing. Imprecatory psalms are not just random calls for violence that beget more violence. That's not what imprecatory psalms are. Imprecatory psalms actually break the cycle of violence by calling for God to take away the means of violence from oppressive people. And I want you to notice that. The imprecatory psalms, call, listen, listen, they, 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 they call for the schemes of the violent to be thwarted and turned against the violent so that they will turn back and the whole pattern will stop. It, it, it's, a prayer for, for, it's a prayer for the man who's digging a ditch to fall into the ditch themselves. And why would they fall into the ditch? Because I guarantee you if they fall into a ditch they made, they won't make another ditch. Lord have mercy. That, that will dissuade them from making another ditch. Look, look at what verse 3 says. The, the, verse 3 says it. Verse 3 says, let them be turned back. Let them turn back because of their shame. The psalmist is calling God, let them be exposed. Let them feel shame and let it so work in their hearts. Let it so work in their minds that they turn back. And the same, the same word that's, 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 uh, that's translated turn back is the same word for repent in the Old Testament. Let them repent because of their shame. Sometimes the only way corruption and violence will stop is when accountability comes and the plot is frustrated and everybody sees the true ugliness of the plot against the innocent and vulnerable and it is exposed so that they turn back from doing it. Sometimes the only way corrupt people will stop is when their situation hits the news and everybody sees, and then finally, because of embarrassment and shame and humiliation, they will stop. And I'm, it's, 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 it's a sad truth that that is the only way some people will stop. But in this violent world, you all know that's the case, don't you? You, you know that, that, that some people would not stop until the Me Too movement started. <clears throat> Some people would not stop until the church two movement started. Some people would not stop until the violence that they perpetuate under the cloak of darkness is brought out into the light. When images of bull carnage, police officers and fire hoses brutalizing peaceful protesters dressed in their Sunday best were beamed around the world in the 1960s, that's what made America stop. It wasn't because America suddenly took the Bible seriously enough, took the image of God seriously enough and realized, oh, you know, all of this uh, uh, slavery and, 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 and its legacies, they were just wrong. No, 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 no. America was shamed into repentance. It was. It was. I know that's a hard truth, but it is true. The, the part of the reason why the civil rights movement was so effective was because of network television. 
It was because, and the strategy was we can show the violence of, of racism. We can show the violence of this caste system uh, in, in such a way that it's beamed not only around America, but around the world. And America lost its moral high ground on the international stage. And hard-hearted legislatures were pressured to recognize black citizens' human rights, not because it was the right thing to do, but because of the pressure of international embarrassment helped to bring them to their senses. We live in a world where death-dealing systems and people and policies sweep innocent lives, sweep innocent dreams, sweep, sweep in opportunities away, sweep dignity away every single day. And serious sin requires us to pray for serious interventions from the Lord to protect God's people and cause the violence to make the violence stop. Imprecatory prayers are when we ask the Lord that the strong would lose their power to oppress the weak, to do violence to the weak. Liz Coolidge Jenkins composed this prayer based on another impregatory psalm, Psalm 58, and this is what she says. I think this is, a right, this is a good prayer. She says, God, break the teeth of white supremacy. Tear out the fangs of misogyny, O Lord. Let police violence vanish like water that runs away. May health care systems that exclude the poor be like grass that's trodden down and withers. That's the way we ought to pray sometimes. That's the way God calls us to pray sometimes. God remembers that we need help seriously. Here's my next point. God remembers that we need help emotionally. God remembers that we need help emotionally. Verse 2, let those who wish me harm be driven back and humiliated. This is the kind of language that is replete not only with sadness, but with anger, with anger. And I know that's not an emotion we like to talk about a lot in church. The language of frustration, anger, outrage, even, even, even in some ways a thirst for vengeance about the injustices of this world. Listen, there is so much to be mad about in this world. I know you ain't supposed to hear that from a preacher, but come on, it's in the Bible. I didn't put it there. It is true. There is a lot, not just to be sad about, but to be mad about in this world. And if you have never gotten mad about the mess and the junk and the injustice and the innocent blood shed in this world, you are not paying attention, beloved. There's a lot to be angry about, to be outraged about in this world. When we think about the innocent blood shed in the Ukraine, when we think about children and women killed and, and obliterated, in the Ukraine, on beneath cluster bombs, when we think about Syria, when we think about Uvalde, Texas, when we think about Buffalo, New York, when we think about Charleston, the Charleston Nine, when we think about Charlottesville, when we think about all of these things, it's enough not just to be sad, but to be angry and outraged. And anybody who's paying attention will find themselves not only weeping, but angry, even outraged at the injustices of this world, feeling like somebody ought to do something, somebody ought to pay somebody, something ought to happen, and it can come up in your mind and in your heart like a tidal wave of fury, and we've got to do something with that anger. Because if we don't do anything, if we don't do something with that anger, if we ignore it, if we pretend like it's not there, it will metastasize 
If you don't handle your anger, your anger will handle you. Yes, it will. It will handle you. It will get hold of you, and it will, it will, it will have you acting in ways that you should not act. And so here's the blessing of the imprecatory psalm. The imprecatory psalm gives you somewhere to put your anger. It gives you a way to process your anger. It allows you to take it to the Lord and leave it there. The Lord is allowing us through the imprecatory psalm to get some things off our chest. Dr. Doug Meeks, Dr. M. Doug Meeks, uh, a professor over at Vanderbilt, when I took his class, I remember the lesson that he taught us about the imprecatory, the imprecatory uh, uh, psalms and, 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 and what we ought to be doing with them. And this is what he said. He said, quote, he said, every theologian ought to have somewhere where they can go out of earshot of any dogs. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, and, and they ought to be able to have a good cuss. Lord have mercy. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> you ought to go somewhere and use foul language. But, 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 but what he's saying is that you ought to be able to go somewhere and have a good screaming fit. Yeah. Yes, you, yeah, yay. You ought to be able to go somewhere. And you ought to be able to tell God all about it, all about the ugly, messy truth that's going on in this world. Yes, and, and anybody that's just as minded, y'all people are shaking, nodding your head because you know you got somewhere that you go. Maybe it's in your closet. Maybe it's out back. But you ought to have somewhere. Maybe it's just in your pillow. But you ought to go somewhere, and you ought to have a good screaming fit about the mess that's going on in this world. That's the only way you're going to process it. That's the only way it's not going to, 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 to well up in your heart and eventually explode in a, in a, in a, a dysfunctional way. Here it is. We can come not only by ourselves, but with the corporate people of God. And we can confess together how messed up things really are. The imprecatory psalm is a liturgical punching bag. Yes, it is. It is a way of helping us get it all out so that we can remain committed to nonviolence. Oh, my goodness. You think about this. I know what you all think. You think, man, what are you saying? You're saying that we ought to say violent words? I'm saying you ought to say these words so that you won't do violent actions. And God is giving you a place to get it all out. He's giving you, listen, you know the reason why we have punching bags? So we won't punch people. Amen. Amen. Hey, the Bible's telling the truth on us, ain't it? The Bible's getting all in our business today. Yeah, see, and, and I, know, I, I remember, uh, I remember one of the first, one of the first therapeutic tools I heard about when, when my, my, my precious wife, Dr. Christina Evanson, was going down through her program. She told me, I'll never forget, she told me about the Bobo doll. The Bobo doll. The Bobo doll is a therapeutic tool that therapists use to allow people to get out their aggressive feelings on the doll so they won't get it out on people. It's where they transfer that anger, that aggressive energy over to the doll. And here it is. The Lord is giving us some language to transfer that aggressive energy and thoughts and burden over to the Lord so that it won't eat us up, so that it won't metastasize, so that he could listen, because he's the only one that can be trusted with that kind of judgment. He's the only one that can be trusted with vengeance. You can't be trusted with vengeance. I can't be trusted with vengeance. Yeah, you might get mad, but you can't be trusted with doing this right. 
We're not, we're not doing it in a sinful way. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Because you know you know how to tell somebody what to, where to go and how to get there. <laughs> he said, well, hey, you know, I'm saved and everything, but don't catch me on the wrong day because I, I will get in my vengeance bag. But let me tell you something, baby. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Yeah. It's his to repay. It ain't yours to repay. Rich Velotis tells the story of driving with some friends in college. He says, quote, he said, one day I heard a mysterious thump, 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 thump from outside the car. He said, so, quote, so I did what anyone who was not able to handle the situation would do. He said, I turned the music up louder to drown out the sound. <laughs> He's got his music going. And he said, ah, the sweet sound of relief. He said, sooner or later I got on the highway ignoring the thump, 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 listening to my music, when suddenly the tire blew out. He said, I was able to safely pull over on the highway, but I learned a valuable lesson. He said, sooner or later, the stuff we don't deal with will catch up with us. If you don't deal with stuff, stuff will deal with you. You don't deal with anger you feel an injustice, honestly, it will blow up on you. And so this is a way, the imprecatory psalms are a way for you to deal with the anger that you feel in your heart. The, listen, listen, the, the, the righteous indignation that you feel in your heart toward the injustices, toward evil, toward oppression that's, that's leveled at the innocent. Again, the Lord said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Jesus declared this, though. I want you to notice when you give it over to the Lord and you give vengeance over to the Lord, I want you to notice that you are giving it over to the Lord in faith that the Lord is able to handle it. You know why we give it over to the Lord? It's not because the injustice of this world does not, does not deserve vengeance. Because sometimes we think prayer is a way to say, well, maybe that doesn't really de deserve God's vengeance. No, 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 no. Prayer is a way of saying, God, this deserves vengeance, and I'm, trusting, I'm entrusting the vengeance to you. I'm entrusting that you're the one that's going to be able to make this thing right. You're the one that's going to be able to mete out judgment the way it ought to be meted out and make sure that justice actually is able to be accomplished the way it ought to be accomplished. And here's the thing. Jesus promised us that. He says, every idle word a man speaks. Every idle word, every side comment a person speaks, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Listen, nobody is getting away with any of it. No dictator, no corrupt politician, no greedy corporate interests, no abusive boss, no, 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 no corrupt even church system, no con artist. Nobody is getting away with it. The Lord is coming to make all things right and all things new, and that's good news. Psalm 96, 13 says, let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Wow, why are we rejoicing before the Lord at the Lord's judgment? Because he will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. That means that everything that is wrong, Jesus is coming to make it right. Everything that is ugly, Jesus is coming to make it beautiful. Everybody that's hurt, Jesus is coming to heal. Everything that's broken, Jesus is coming to put it together. Ain't that good news, y'all? Brings me to my last point. 
God remembers that we need help covenantally. 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 This is another one of those adjustments from Psalm 40. It's one of those shifts that, that the psalmist makes when he lifts Psalm 40, verses 12 through 17, and he makes a shift. He makes a shift. Psalm 40, verse, verse 17, ends like this. It says, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. But Psalm 70, verse 5, ends like this. You are my help and my deliverer, oh Lord. Do not delay. Psalm 70, oh my God. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 40, oh my God. Psalm 70, oh Lord, do not delay. Now here's the thing, oh Lord is oh Lord, capital L-O-R-D. And, 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 and whenever you see that in the Bible, what you know is that this is the way the Bible is translating God's covenant name, Yahweh. The psalmist took Psalm 40, which says, oh my God, Elohim, do not delay. And he says, no, 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 I got to put some covenant stuff on this. I'm a, I, I got to appeal to God's covenant name on this because I, I need some help. I need some help. And I need God to remember that, that he is my covenant God, not just my God, but my covenant God, that, that we've got a, an arrangement here purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we got an arrangement here. And, 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 and he is covenanted to care for me. The psalmist intentionally inserted the covenant name of God in this petition. And why insert the covenant name of God? Because he wants to remind God, Lord, I belong to you. Hope for the psalmist is not that I'm strong in my life, but I belong to God. It's not that I'm so faithful, but I belong to God. The psalmist just said, I'm poor and needy. The psalmist just said, hey, God, one thing I bring to you is a whole lot of need. <laughs> one thing I'm adding to this is a poverty and need and lack. But, oh, God, you are my God, my covenant God. And my hope is that you are my covenant God. I am in covenant relationship with you. And my hope is not that I am so good, but I am so yours. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Simply put, we belong to him. And so the psalmist is saying, don't hurry up and say, me because I'm good. Hurry up and save me because I'm yours. Hurry up and save me because I'm yours, because your, your relationship is caught up in my destiny. Your, your, your reputation is caught up in my destiny. Your name, listen, we talk about that the Lord will do it for his name's sake. God has put his name on you. God has put you in his covenant. And remember that passage where, from Luke where Jesus says that God will give justice quickly. But he didn't just say he'd give justice to anybody quickly. He said he'll give justice to his elect. Oh, my goodness. Those who are in covenant relationship with him have the unique benefit, have the unique blessing of having God move quickly for you because you are his children, because you are in covenant relationship with him. Margaret Jacobson tells this. She tells the story of losing her three-year-old son, Beck, in the mall for 10 minutes. For 10 minutes. In an article, she writes an article called this. She, the name of the article was called, quote, losing my son in the mall was an absolute nightmare. And this is what she says. She says, quote, I was nervous because of my son's tendency to bolt away from me as soon as I let go of his hand. He cried and carried on in public if I was holding on to him. And he made me feel like a terrible mom whenever he screamed, I don't want to hold your hand. Stop. 
And oftentimes in our relationship with the Lord, that's how we act. Lord, have mercy. Come on. Whenever, whenever we neglect to consult his word, whenever we neglect to pray, whenever we neglect to walk with the Lord as faithful as we should, I don't want to hold your hand. Stop is what we are simply saying. We just like Beck, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Now, now we see something tempted. I don't want to hold your hand. Stop. The only reason why we have sin in our life today, I don't want to hold your hand. Stop. And one day, Beck waited till mom had her back turned looking at some clothes, and he bolted. He bolted. He ran. He ran. And, and let me tell you something. Mom realized that he ran, and here's what, here's what she didn't do. Mom didn't say, good riddance. Let him deal with the consequences of losing himself. No. Because Beck was her child. Beck was her baby. And because Beck was her baby, mom leapt into action, not because Beck was good, but because Beck was hers. Oh, my goodness. And when you're in trouble, God will leap into action, not because you're so good, but because you belong to him. You belong to him. This is the passion that God has to rescue his people. I love it that at, at, at the end, you know, so did you notice here at the beginning, at the beginning of the psalm, it says, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me. These are verbs. But then at the end, it says, I am poor and needy, hasten to me, O my God. And this is what it says, you are my help and you are my deliverer. Now, in the beginning, help was something that God did. Deliverance was something that God did, but at the end, help is something that God is. Deliver is something that God is. And so I know that I'm going to be helped. I know that I'm going to be delivered because help is not just something that God does sometime, but because something that God is all the time. And that's the blessing we have by being in covenant relationship with the Lord. He is your help. He is your deliverer. He is your way maker. He is your miracle worker. He is your promise keeper. He is your light in the darkness. That is who he is. Ain't that good news? Good news indeed. Lord, we thank you. We have heard your good news, God. You are so merciful and kind. You are our help and our deliverer. We can have every confidence, Lord, that you are at work on our behalf even now. Even if we don't see it, even if we don't feel it, Lord, we come in the faith, oh God, that you have hastened to help us, that justice is coming quickly in the hands of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say, amen. Let's stand.